This is the smell of a warm three-day-old egg salad sandwich in a wimpy trash bag. Wimpy, wimpy, wimpy! Blech! And this is the smell of that same sandwich in a hefty, ultra-strong trash bag with new Fabuloso lemon scent. Hefty, hefty, hefty! <sighs> smell the difference? When life gives you stinky, get Hefty Ultra Strong with new Fabuloso Lemon Scent. It smells like clean, freshly picked lemons. So no matter what's inside your trash, you can stop the stink and smell the lemon. Hi, this is James Mercer from The Shins. This is Shirley Manson. This is Lowe Thomas, founder of The Cure. This is Huey Lewis giving you the story behind the song. The story behind the song is back with an exciting second season. We peel back the layers on music's most iconic hits with legendary artists like The Killers, Heart, The B-52s, Violent Femmes, Jewel, Huey Lewis, Modern English, and more. To keep the music flowing, we'll be sprinkling in classic episodes from our archives between each new one. So check out the story behind the song wherever you get your podcast. It's easy to hear your favorite artist on WFPK from wherever you are. Listen on your smart speaker, live stream from our website at WFPK.org from Louisville Public Media. And what, what, do, you, what do you eat in Louisville, Kentucky? Consequence Podcast Network. Hey, welcome to another edition of Kyle Meredith with. It's the interview series presented by WFPK at WFPK.org. Consequence and the Consequence Podcast Network. Thanks as always for making your way here, checking out the series. You know what to do. You like what you see, what you hear, hit that subscribe button. I put out three new interviews every single week, new and every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. So it's a great way to keep up with all of your favorite artists and discover some new ones as well. And today, that artist that I get to talk with is the one, the only, the legendary Paul Oakenfold. We're going to be talking about Shine On. This is his fourth full-length album. We're going to get into uh, making a cinematic record, how the opening track actually traces back to his hit Ready, Steady, Go, and bringing dance music out of the nightclub. Also resurrecting his 2014 song, uh, Touch Me. Now, Paul's also going to preview his uh, upcoming tour with New Order and Pet Shop Boys. We're going to talk about really leaning into the 80s. Uh, the eventual 20th anniversary celebration of Bunka, the big hit that came out in, uh, in 2002. And we'll go into the backstory of recording more than uh, six hours worth of material with the, uh, the late Hunter S. Thompson. So let's do it. Talk about Shine On with apologies to a little bit of the uh, sound issues here. It's Kyle Meredith with Paul Oakenfold. So you want to be a rock and roll star? No? Well, how about a podcast star? Well, as it turns out, there's a new all-in-one platform just for you. It's called Anchor, and it's the easiest way to make a podcast. And check this out. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And then Anchor will distribute the podcast for you. So it can be heard on Spotify and Apple Podcast and, you know, everywhere else in, uh, in podcast land. And what's even better, you can actually make money from your podcast. Go figure. Uh, no minimum listenership on that. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So go ahead, download the free Anchor app right now or go to anchor.fm to get started. So what are you waiting for? Podcast stardom is within your reach. Hello, hello. You've got a brand new record called Shine On. And what an outstanding album this is. I think this is uh, album number four, technically speaking. And just the moods, the, you know, the, um, I don't know, different genre. I mean, you've kind of packed everything into this, right? It's a very cinematic record. It was a record that I 
finished uh, during COVID. It was um, a long haul for me. I started it, oh, many years ago. It was a stop-start situation. As, and what I mean by that, I, I would go on tour for like a month, come back, record vocals, go away again, and then finish it. So some tracks took six months to finish. Um, but during COVID, I kind of locked myself in. I spent a lot of time thinking about a direction where I was in my life, musically, what inspired me. And it came out the other end uh, as um, more of a score than a dance record. You get that right from the beginning, too, with, uh, with Zanzibar. And I wrote that down. And the, the words I wrote down was like a score to a movie that I've yet to see. Exactly. Yeah, that, that really does set it up, that, that, that track right there. Is that, I mean, is that why you chose, is that why it kind of kickstarts it? It's very interesting because I wrote a song many years ago called Ready, Steady, Go for a, for a trailer of a movie that didn't exist. I was like, well, let me see if I can do uh, a, tra- a, a piece of music for a trailer. And Ready, Steady, Go was that. So this time around, I was like, well, you know, let me write a, a track for a movie that's moody, that's dark, that's dangerous, and hence the, the, the first track on the album. Zanzibar itself, I mean, that puts you in a frame of mind, choosing the location. Why, why did you land on that location? Well, I, went, I was in Marrakesh, actually, and I got really inspired by being, listening, um, there i was uh, i was hanging out with a few musicians i was listening to what they were doing and i wanted to use ethnic sounds so years later i was like well this sounds like it could be called zanzibar just i love the name i mean and it's ethnic sounding and uh i hopefully you close your eyes and it takes you somewhere like that that's the idea that's become, you know, a thing, one of your, you've got many hallmarks at this point, but, but talking about locations, not only do the locations end up in your songs, but you end up finding ways to play these locations, the locations that nobody else thinks to play music on. How specifically does that, does the location direct the music in cases like this? Um, it, I've always felt that, you know, the, the battle of dance music, if we want to call it that, from the old community of years ago was that dance music should only be in a club. Like when I played main stage at Glastonbury before the, um, it was James Addiction who was closing out the show. I was on main stage and the curtains were closed behind me and all you heard was the tech guys going, on the mic, one, two, one, two, mic check, one, two. Why I was playing out loud, out live to 50,000 people. You could hear the drummer banging his drums. And I always felt that there wasn't respect from that community of tech guys who worked for bands with DJs. Look, I've, I've always made my own music. i produced some of the biggest artists in the world, Madonna, Cher, I've toured with the biggest artists in the world, whether it's U2, Chili Pepper. So for me, dance music just doesn't live in a nightclub. Like rock and roll, like any music doesn't just live in a certain space. 
Music is for the world to share, explore, and love. So hence, when I get asked to go and DJ at Stonehenge or Mount, or Mount Everest or Area 51, I'm like, yeah, I'll go. I'll go and I'll share my music with people around the world. And that, that's it, really. Well, it, it does give it so much more depth, I think, or, or at least, I mean, in this 3D quality sort of way, you know, uh, just from beyond the notes to, to, to where we can all go. As you mentioned with Zanzibar, you know, that, that does take me somewhere. And, and on this record, it's interesting because, you know, we talk about this cinematic quality that it has, but right after that, you, you know, when I, when I first listened to it, I thought, it's interesting. It's almost got a singer-songwriter-esque quality to the record for a little bit, for the first half of the record, I think. You've talked about that before, grabbing artists who don't necessarily aren't known for dance music. And I kind of feel that's, that's where you hit at the beginning there. Did you line it up in that way? Yeah, I mean, in terms of the arrangement of the record, there's, it, it, uh, hopefully it tells a story. It's, it starts off with an instrumental piece. It then jumps into... Uh, a male vocal, female vocal, some you'll know, some of these vocalists you'll know, some you won't. The pace picks up towards the end of the record. So it, it, it's hopefully a record that you can listen to, whether it's in your car, whether you're at home um, with the headphones on or, or, or doing the ironing or, or, or cleaning the house. It's, there's a journey, and that journey comes from me as a DJ expressing myself through, you know, a two hour set. Um, so that's really the programming of an album is very, very important it, it, for me anyway, because that's where I come from as a DJ It's programming music. Speaking of vocalists, who is it that's singing on, uh, on Get To You? I, I couldn't actually find a name listed on that one. So Get To You is a young a uh, new singer out of Vancouver. Uh, she's not well known at all. She's more of a session singer. Um, and what's really interesting in, in that song was I went to Harry Grenson Williams, who's a big film composer. Very, very good at what he's done. Last movie done was House of Gucci. He's done a lot of... Um, Ridley Scott's films, he'd done Shrek. So I went to him and said, listen, I've got this song that really lends itself to a full orchestra. And that song has got a 75-piece orchestra on it. It's pretty out there. And then I couldn't mix it myself. I mean, it was a bit overwhelming. Uh, so then I went to one of the guys who worked on James Bond, who'd mixed, excuse me, who'd mixed James Bond, Adele's song, Sam Smith's song, and I got him to mix it. So there's very little of me on that record, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I just realised that. I'm like, hang on, am I on that fucking record? Because originally I did the demo. I wrote, the process was, I wrote an instrumental, got it vocaled, and then handed it over and got the string arrangements and got someone else to mix it. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, if you blink, you're going to miss me on that tune. Put it that way. But I'm, I'm, I'm it's amazing what you get away with as the well. producer, though. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I produced it, obviously, but 
usually I'm I'm a lot more hands-on. I mix, I write, you know, I'm involved in everything. So that's a strange one. I never thought about it like that. It, it you know, you're explaining in the, in the orchestra. I mean, it gives this complete mood that you hear through that. And, and another one that does that for me, the same thing is uh, is touch me. I mean, talk about a complete mood. You know, you've got a the picture of a of a Blade Runner right behind you, and it's interesting because that same movie kind of crossed my mind when you know you hear that the pulsing sense in the, in that track. And this is one you brought over, right? This one I think I saw came from the 2014 album uh, uh, Transmission. Yes, and so what it was, Transmission was a moment where I decided I was being asked to remix a lot of classics and I'm remixing all these classics and they're blowing up and they're doing really well. And I'm like, well, hang on, why don't I do cover versions and put an album out of my interpretation of these early 90s songs? And instead of just doing remixes, I'll do it as a modern dance album that cover versions of songs that maybe the current generation at that time and the new generation, which is now, have never heard of, but they could be played today. Because some of these songs from the early 90s, you can't really play. The production quality is not there. So that's what happened there. And it was all straight, full on dance music. So Touch Me was a song that I was very close to. I, I, when I had my residency at Pasha nightclub in Ibiza, I was given the, first, the only DJ to be given the original copyright. And it, I had it all summer and no other DJ had it. And in those days, that was kind of a big thing. Um, and it became a very close record for me. And I knew the singer, Cassandra, and I said, listen, this song has never been done in a cinematic, down-tempo vibe, which you could be on the beach having a cocktail and listening to, or it could be something that you know the song and you go, fuck, I've never heard this before. So again, that was the idea behind it. And it worked really well because I've had a lot of people go, hang on, I know this song. Where do I know it from? But you've never heard this version. Otherwise, there was no point in doing it. Uh, it's it is. It's one of those one of those ones that's really stuck with me uh, with repeated listens. You know, it's like especially as as I'm trying to research for this uh, interview, I, I kind of just want to skip ahead and get to that one quicker every single time. You know, it's the kind of thing you want to do. And the other one, but I'll bring up and and is uh, is uh, he's all I want. I mean, this one it's almost like a dizzying effect that, that I get from this one. You know, this is the one where if I'm on the dance floor, I'm spinning around. It's kind of one of those things. This is, this is a song uh, that's melodic, uplifting, and makes you feel good. You hear it on the dance floor, it works. It's straight to the point. You know, the record uh, starts off very down-tempo, and this is the first song, really, that takes you into the second half of the record where I picked the tempo up. And I wanted something light and uplifting, and this is that track. Yeah, I um, I, I don't want to paint any pictures here, but uh, 
I took a stroll in this album while I was taking a shower. And I think I probably, if I hadn't been watching, I, I would have slipped and fell and broke my neck because of that song. That's uh... don't, yeah, don't paint that. Don't you hang on? You painted a weird picture. You, so let me get this right. You're naked. You're showering. You're lavering up, and then you want me to imagine that? <laughs> Absolutely, all of that stuff was happening right there, but with oh your soundtrack on the uh, shower radio. What, That's what, uh... a, what a picture to paint! I thought this interview was going really well. We, we've gone down the wrong road here. Oh, you know, we're painting lots of pictures in this interview. You know, the cinematic landscapes, they can go in so many ways. And uh, <laughs> you can't control what happens to your music after you let it go. That's, uh, that's you know, it's... I've just realized that. <laughs> I think I'm going to quit after this interview. I'm throwing the towel in. It's over. That's it. That was it. That, I'm, the, I'm the reason. Um the, the, the guests, you know, we, we've talked about a few of them. As you mentioned, unknown names. There are also some great names on here as well. You've got uh, Eve. Uh, that was uh, that was fun to see Eve on here. I think you guys have known each other for quite some time. It, you know, back a while. Yeah. With, with all these, I know most stuff, you know, it's 2022. Most stuff doesn't happen in person anymore. And I don't know for you, maybe did it ever, but I started thinking about that as like, you know, with everything just being files sent over in studio to studio, do you ever feel like we lose something by not having everybody in a room together? Oh, for, for, absolutely. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm all, you know, I'm, I'm, most of this record was recorded in the room. Um, I've recorded a lot of it before COVID. The mixes have all changed. Um, the mixes certainly uh be, became a bit old and during COVID I cleaned it all up. I, I focused on the mix. But 90 percent of the recording has been in the room with the singer and the songwriter. Uh, a lot of the production has been done my own in my studio in Hollywood. Well that's nice then because I don't think a lot of people take that opportunity as much anymore. So I'm actually I love hearing that. Well, I think that well, moving moving forward, that's the only way. Look, my next next Monday I've got a session and I'm really looking forward to it because two of my favourite singer-songwriters who very few people have heard, but they're on my album, are Baby and Velvet Cash. So I have Baby and Velvet Cash in my studio next Monday and I've already figured out the direction uh, of the song, I feel out the chorus, and these two are much, much better songwriters than me. But I'm, I'm like, I think I've tapped into saying, if we get it right, it could be a real, a real cool record, a good, yeah. a, a good record. So I'm really looking forward to next Monday's session. Yeah, and I love hearing it because you don't stop. Uh, I mean, you have so many irons in the fire. It sounds like even beyond this, uh, which I'll hit on a couple of those. I, I know uh, on top of the uh, album and the other projects, you're also doing some touring. I know some shows are coming up. And then later this year, very exciting to hear um, New Order and Pet Shop Boys. You're going out with both of those, right? Yeah, I mean, I think like many artists, because, you know, I never played live for 17 months. And for 20 odd years, I've just been touring the world, seeing the world, experiencing, loving it, playing music, sharing, and then it all stopped for 17 months. 
for all of us, some longer than others. So things have been building up. So this year, um, I'm back on the road, uh, Europe and um, North America. I've got my second autobiography coming out in June. Uh, I've got a scored a documentary uh, movie based on dance music that's coming out later in the year. And then there's my record company celebrating its anniversary, so there will be a documentary. So there's a lot, um, a lot of good things to share with the world based on electronic music. But I hope people enjoy that we've been working on for years now. Well, you know, I, I do want to ask about that, you know, those shows real quick, because I was I was wondering, especially when you've got a bill like that, like New Order, Pet Shop Boys, there you are. Obviously, you know, they are putting out still put out great music to this day, but, you know, they come from a certain era. Do you take that opportunity to cater to a moment like that on the music that you're doing? Do you, do you lean into that? Do you hit the nostalgia? So good question, actually, because the cool before um, yourself was with the agent for the, I mean, look, this is a big tour. Uh, there is two nights at the Hollywood Bowl. There's Madison Square Garden. And I'm very lucky that they asked me, you know, this is, let's be honest, this is Pet Shop Boys and New Order. It's their tour. You know, I, I've, I've, been on tour with massive acts. I've opened for you too, Madonna. I'm open for a few. And I understand and respect. I'm a support act. This is their tour, their show. Right. And respectfully, I don't think many people would come and see me uh, because when you get a tour like that, that's the way it works. So I did a lot of thought into what I was going to play as I do, you know, when you're opening for Lenny Kravitz or Chili Peppers, you've got to look at what you're going to play, how you're going to play it, and realise what your place is within the bigger setup. So Pet Shop Boys in the Order are 80s bands. There's no point me going there and playing underground dance music to a 50-year-old whatever, right? That ain't going to work. And... My job is to get the crowd going. I, I have two moments. I have the first hour, then one of the bands, because they flick, and then I play 30 minutes in between. So what am I going to do? I'm going to play the hits of the 80s, sing-along hits for the 80s, music that I grew up on, music that I love, music that I haven't played. I don't know even if I ever played it. Right, humanly, don't you want me, baby? Queen, dancing queen, uh, Pink Floyd, you know, it, it, why not? So, I'm just gonna go straight to the point and play songs that everyone can sing along to. Everyone's gonna get in the mood, they're gonna enjoy the whole evening, and, and, and I'm gonna have a great time. I mean, you know, because you don't always have the excuse to lean into it like that. I mean, and and just to be like, you know what. This is this is not hard. We're just gonna no, have fun. Not hard at all. And it's it's it, I've never ever done it before. So why not seize the moment? And you know, my management were going, well, you gotta play tracks from your new album. I'm like, why? 
I mean, it, it, no one's going to fucking know what it is anyway. <laughs> you know, it's not like I'm going to do an underground mix of Pray For Me. You know, people are going to, especially if I'm playing these tracks either side. So let's take a step back, realise that I'm lucky that I got invited, play that set that everyone wants to hear but have never heard, and it's a first for me. Well, I'm going to have to make the trip to see that one. That sounds like a fun night all the way around with all three of you. But I would be the guy in the crowd that would be fine with hearing the new music too. Just if, if that's me, I won't be naked. I promise that much at least. I, 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 and I appreciate that because, you know, <laughs> maybe, but um, I will do after parties and the after parties are real, all new underground cutting edge music. So there yeah. you go. That'd be the good stuff. Um, the one other thing I was going to hit uh, this year does also mark the 20th anniversary of the uh, of the Bunker record. Uh, do you get to, uh, I mean, I don't know where you would do it, but do you shoehorn some celebrations in on that one as well? Uh, I think what we're going to do, because we've got enough going on this year and we want to focus on my artist album, the Perfecto documentary and obviously the book. So I think we're going to, push that because we lost two years really um and it was difficult so as i say it's like many artists i probably think a lot of things are stacking up i mean this album i've already got seven new tracks ready to go but not even on this album yeah i mean it, it, when you're during COVID, that's all you do is make music well you got deluxe editions you got uh you know follow-up EPs and everything yeah, well, I look forward to that, too. I mean, the, of course, Bunker was a great record. It's a classic record. I was going back and listening to it the other day, and I heard the uh, Hunter S. Thompson track, Nixon Spirit. And Hunter's from here in Louisville. So, of course, you know, he, I mean, he's like Muhammad Ali. He's sort of all around me, you know. So it was a great kind of, oh, right, that track, him. Yeah, that's a good yeah. moment. Yeah, that was an amazing story. I mean, I I reached, re, there was, it was a... A situation in the UK at the time was for some reason, Hunter S. Thompson's quotes became the, 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 how can I explain this? The, at the bottom of every club flyer back in the day, you would give flyers out of clubs. Well, there would always be a saying on the bottom of the flyer. And Hunter S. Thompson became the rebel, which suited nightclubs at the time. So I was, and I was a fan of, of, of what he'd done. So I'm like, well, listen, I've got nothing to lose. Let me see if I can track him down and get in touch with him. Anyway, his wife, who was a lovely woman, was a fan of mine. He didn't really know who I was, to be honest with you. I think that, that he didn't know who I was, uh, but his wife did. And she said, you should work with him. So we set up a meeting, a call. I went, I spoke to him and I said, look, I'll write a piece of music around what you read and you read something that inspires you. Anyway, the first night we were working together, there was nothing there. I've got six hours of recordings of Hunter S. Thompson. There was nothing there that I could get inspired from or I felt that was relative to my world, the world of music, the world of youth. And in the second night, I kind of honed him in on 
the American dream. I was like, what is the American dream? I'm an English man living here. What was Nixon's trial all about? What do you think about the spirit of what Nixon was trying to say and come across? Now, we spoke about the days when he was with the Hells Angels. We spoke about the days when he was a, a, a sports reporter following the NFL, whatever. But I got him. I found one moment where he explained the American dream, and that is called Nixon's spirit. And that song was recorded under the influence about five in the morning. And you can hear that growl in his voice. You may not necessarily understand everything that he's saying, but it captured the spirit and the moment of one of the greatest writers ever, Hunter S. Thompson. I'm gonna, now I'm going to have to go back and let's do it just again to see if I can hear all the stuff that you're talking about. Yeah, see if you can understand everything that he says, because I can't. <laughs> Paul, thank you so much for taking the time to talk about this. Congratulations on the Shine On record. I love this album so much. Uh, I cannot wait to hear what you do with this on the road as well. And and from what it sounds like, all the stuff that you're also working on, uh, musically and non-musically beyond this. Yeah, thank you so much. Good luck with everything. And my thanks to Paul Oakenfold again. His new album is called Shine On. And thanks to you as well for checking out the series. Uh, before you get out, do hit that subscribe button wherever you're listening from or at any of the usual spots like iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, Podchaser, NPR, YouTube for the video versions, anywhere you get your podcast from. Subscribe to Kyle Meredith with. I'll give you a brand new interview every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Then after that, head over to WFPK.org, ride to a show Monday through Friday, 6 p.m. Eastern, an hour full of song premieres, music news, anniversary spins, bonus interviews, Monday through Friday, 6 p.m. Eastern at WFPK.org. Consequence has your music and film news. You can also find me on the uh, social media spots, uh, mostly on Twitter, but also occasionally on Facebook and Instagram, all three of them, at Kyle Meredith. Do hope you like and follow along. That does it for another edition. I'm Kyle Meredith. I'll see you next time. Consequence Podcast Network. Liverpool, Kentucky. Louisville, Kentucky. It's easy to hear your favorite artist on WFPK from wherever you are. Listen on your smart speaker, live stream from our website at WFPK.org from Louisville Public Media. Hey there, it's Kyle Meredith from Kyle Meredith With. After you check out the latest episode of my show, uh, be sure to check out some of our other great programs on the Consequence Podcast Network, including Standing BTS, a bi-weekly podcast covering all things BTS and ARMY, and The Opus, Consequence's original documentary podcast exploring legendary albums and their lasting legacies. So head to Consequence.net to listen to these podcasts and many great others. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.